Hello, and thank you for joining the podcast today. This is a special one, everybody. You don't want to miss. So my friend uh, Annie came from Norway not to do this podcast, but I'd like to tell you that she did. Uh, Annie and I met in 2017 um, at HCC in Tampa. I was speaking at an event. We connected. She shadowed me, did some videos for me, um, did some work for me many years ago. And then um, I wrote a book about the broken road to mental health and life and in business. And who knew that the broken road would lead us together for the loss of her son, Thomas, who died by suicide on August 9th of 2019, two days before I released the book. So don't think for a minute that there isn't a reason for everything. There certainly is. So I hope you enjoy the episode and um, it is a little sensitive. So I wouldn't listen to it in front of your children unless you are aware enough to know that they should know about these things because this is life and it's real and it's raw. And I'm super proud of Annie and I'm hoping that you will continue to open the conversation and continue the conversation about mental health because guess what, people? It's as important, if not more, than physical health. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining the podcast today. We have a very special guest here, all the way from Norway, like all the way from Norway. How long is the flight from Norway? I don't even know. I think it's like 14 hours together. 14 hours? Yeah. Mm. Mm. But it's worth it. Of course it is. All right. So, Anne, Anna, last name. Kilibreke. See? Mm-hmm. That was good. <laughs> um, we met in 2016? 17? 16, 17. One you were going to Hillsborough Community College. Yes. Andy Gold and Beth Curley's Entrepreneur track is that what we're calling yeah. it sound good yeah so that's uh entrepreneurship and then i took some tv broadcasting as well right with narissa lamison okay yeah am i supposed to know who that is i don't know oh. i think uh i thought you would okay no since you're into the tv business now oh no i'm into this kind of TV. well this yeah yeah this is real tv right it's yeah. our kind of tv so anna came here a few years ago to go to school and then you wanted to stay but you couldn't because of the visa and all that great immigration stuff Mm -hmm. yeah don't get me started (laughs) but we kept in contact you actually shadowed with me a lot you filmed one of my meet the neighbors events it's great at dr lara's Mm -hmm. my favorite and you introduced me to quite a lot of very interesting people, and I still follow them on Facebook. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad I did. I have no idea who they are, but... Well, Dr. Lara is one yes, of them. Yes, for sure. I just love his storytelling and, yeah, and the way good. he exposes his, uh, his company and his personal. Yeah, he's very I sweet. I like what you help people do. Oh, thank you. She's always been a fan. Yeah, I am. So I think we met because I spoke at HCC. Is that right? I think so. Was was it a New York thing? Uh, the oh my thing? goodness! When I sang? when somebody no, when somebody had speeded up your yeah thing. Ooh. I don't know if that was the first time, but I loved it. Oh my goodness! Because you just winged it there and then. You just said, "I'll just yeah you know, speed up my speech." Yeah, Andy Gold to this day gives me a hard time about that Pechacucha because I paid somebody on Craigslist 
to actually edit my slideshow. Is that what we call it? Alyssa knows all about how I don't do PowerPoints or slideshows or pachacuchas. But yeah, it sped up and I had to do it very quickly. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. It's not. But I want to give some framework as to why we are here. So you never know why somebody's going to be put in your life, right? You never do. You really never know. I mean, so this is going to get a little crazy, but we're going to go down this road together because we have committed to doing this. We'll probably start crying pretty quickly. I will require cried twice today. Yeah. So when you saw me, I'm in a roll. Unless a lot of people cry when they see me. I cry when I see me. <laughs> anyway, um, so you did a little work for me too. I know that you wanted to stay here and I wanted you to stay, but even every time you've come to visit from Norway, I've met with you. Mm-hmm. The last time we met was at Panera Bread in Tampa. It was. Yes. If I can get a half an hour. It was a quick meeting woman. too. Yes. I felt bad about that, but I don't remember what I was doing after or before. But oh, I you know had there meetings, meetings before and after. It was back mm-hmm. to back. Yeah. That was my life. Mm-hmm. So we kept in touch and then a lot changed for me and for you um, at the same time. So I wrote a book. You did. The Broken Road to Mental Health and Life and in Business. And I um, released it, published it on my 25th sober anniversary, August 11th, which is my mom's birthday. And um, your son, Thomas, two days prior to me releasing the book, had died by suicide. Yes. (sighs) Take Mm -hmm. a breath. Yeah. Deep breath. And you were writing, I was Ugh. following you actually, because you are so transparent with everything you do. So mm. you, you were putting it out there, how you were writing the book, how you yeah. were crying. Yeah. You were watching? Yeah, I was oh, watching. Good. You yes. might have been the only one. And I had no idea that that book and you would impact me that much in oh, that no. time. Yeah. That's what's so amazing about um, not knowing who you're helping. Right? Yeah. Just following your gut, this is something I need to do. Right. Yeah. And I definitely told Alyssa the, I don't know if it was yesterday or today or whatever, like I wasn't sure exactly why you were in my life. Even the whole time I was just drawn to you and I wanted to help. I wanted you to stay here. I have your resume. I actually printed it and I forgot that I left it in Hmm. the office. You got some resume, but... Um, we could have never expected that life would bring us together because of this. No, that's so true. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I think that that's, you know, um, the crane working, right? A little bit. And um, does everybody know what the crane is? Well, anybody who's read the book knows what the crane is. Um, People send me pictures of cranes today, which is really nice. And I really like that. Yeah. So I, when I got, I want to just tell everybody that um, I got a Facebook message from Anna and I read it for the first time back last night because I couldn't read it. It was so emotional. Don't start crying. Well, I'm going to start crying. Okay. <laughs> That's what we'll do for about That's five minutes. That's what we'll do. We'll cry. And I couldn't believe that that happened. And um. I felt so sad and you were so far away and I couldn't do anything. But what I could do was have that podcast that I had recorded and that's how you heard, you listened to the book, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your son died on August 9th and you didn't start reading 
or start listening, I should say, to the book until when? I don't remember the date. Yeah. But when something like this happened, yeah. you feel like all the skin on your body is just taken off. Yeah. So I protected myself and the family and I couldn't I couldn't listen to music. Yeah. That's I'm mine. St- I know. No, oh. this was mine. You oh, stole okay. it. Oh no, you're right. That was yours. See how that is? We're fighting over Already. tissue here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, uh, being like without I don't know if there's an expression. Yeah. But that's how I felt. There's no mm. skin on my body. I couldn't listen to music. Yeah. There's a lot of things I couldn't do, so I only listen to safe things. Yeah, and sure, I your book that. was one of them. Yeah, and it's like I could, I couldn't. I only stayed with my family, and I didn't mm-hmm. go out. But I knew I needed input. I knew I needed help to get on, mm. even from the the very first day. Yeah. So it's like Sharon being through the, all this, and you're so vulnerable with it. Mm. So. In hindsight, I guess you already then pushed me into being open. Mm. I mean, we chose. We went to a hotel after seeing Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the girls and I have three daughters, mm-hmm. and then I have Thomas. And and in bed there at night, my daughter number two said, her name's Mariana. She said, Mom, we have to tell them with our words and with our explanation and warmth Mm. Because we don't want them to get a random call or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is Facebook. Because we couldn't handle, you know, calling 500 people. Yeah. So that's how we chose to be open and, and tell mm-hmm. them that he chose this himself. Right. And we have no clue why. Mm-hmm. So that was how it started. <sighs> Taking a breath. Like I did in the book. Yes. <laughs> did you take a yeah. breath? Yes. Yeah. I've heard that a lot from people that listen to it. So first, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. And um, I have been watching from afar on social. Uh, and using Google Translate? Yes, <laughs> yes. And, and so proud that you decided to do something so difficult. I'm so proud of you. Because it's really, you know, it's one thing for me to talk about what I went through 25 years ago and a completely different thing for you to be, you are living through it right now. The, the amount of pain and, and loss, I'll never understand that because I've not experienced that, so I would never pretend to. But I do know, I feel like I relate more to Thomas than anybody so I was like, oh, he's 26? 27. 27. That's what I told you. I wish that you would have met him. Me too. <laughs> and, you know, um, when, I, when we made plans to meet and I put the picture up last night, you know, you had sent me a message saying that you were sorry that you didn't have any pictures where you weren't happy. But there's nothing to be sorry about because that does showcase your life with him. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people that don't understand depression and don't understand mental health issues, they don't understand why somebody on the outside that came and and presented as so happy could end their life Mm -hmm. when there's so much love in their life. So that was, I think, the most relatable to me because, you know, I have my parents and I have two brothers and I have a very big family and I didn't grow up like People have a perception of what it looks like for somebody mm-hmm. to die by suicide. And it affects everybody. So 
for you to know that Thomas was so happy and smiling in every picture, mm-hmm. the shock must have been outrageous. It was. I was just getting a picture in my head when you were talking because yeah. I feel I know you quite well. Yes. Because you've been so transparent. You wrote the book and mm-hmm. you've always talked very yes. directly, but I've never been inside your house. So mm-hmm. I don't know what it looks right. like. <laughs> but some people, yeah. they introduce their house on the outside and yeah. they never tell you what's on the inside. Mm. So you can, that's part of, I guess, what Thomas was like too. Yeah. Because he would always get to know people. He was mm. a social guy. Yeah. And he sh- his outside was like, he was a successful salesperson, mm-hmm. uh, leader. He's working at the, the headquarters of his company. Mm-hmm. And he was like headhunted for different things. Like everything wow. was on a roll. Yeah. He was even sharing an apartment with his best friend. And they were having a ball. Mm. Making all these new friends and just living their life. Mm-hmm. Like my, Mariana said, I want your life, Thomas. Yeah. And she had no idea. And we had no idea that as he wrote in his farewell letter... Mm-hmm which I got on a mail um, on the, uh, You got August. an email? I got an email, yeah, yeah. Where he just wrote, this has been happening for many years, mm-hmm. but I cannot talk about it. Yeah. I even tried going someplace and talk, but there's no way. I can't open that door. Yeah. So It's such a big problem, especially for men, right? Yeah. Um, and two-thirds, at least in Norway, are men who actually, if you can say succeed right. in... in committing suicide yeah there are a lot of more women who uh try and don't or, yeah. yeah but yeah. The, the, the numbers show that these men oh it's men and, here too and it's like 40 percent of those men mm-hmm. are like invisibly depressed yeah. you don't know that they're depressed. no idea no so well, how can you help them and how they're taught you... not to show their emotions and they're taught not to show their feelings and if they were to say that they needed help they might be looked down upon that not masculine enough and that's the it's such an old mentality and I think that speaking like you are about your son and what he went through just gives other men young men older men an opportunity to know that it's okay that no we're not judging Mm -mm. we're certainly not judging the world might judge but we're certainly not judging. And um, I think that it's, it's really important. It's really important to talk, especially with men, because you are right. There are, in the United States, it's the same thing. The percentage is the same. And okay. you had just shared with me that the king, the king of Norway, his son just died by suicide. No, son-in-law. His son-in-law mm-hmm. on Christmas Day. Yes. So just a few months after Thomas. Yeah. So now you have been on a lot of news stations in Norway. Especially since we started something called a Suicide Pod, which suicide seems pod. like a cruel name. Right. And we created our own hashtag that's called Not One More. Not One More. For the one. Mm-hmm. In Norwegian, ikke entel. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just like, how can you say that, I mean, our goal is Not One More, and that's the fight yeah. every day. Like, because one lady told me, if we didn't have a goal for zero, mm-hmm. who would it be? Right. Would we say that, okay, if we have five people, that, that would be fine? Mm-hmm. Or would, the, would that be your brother? Or you, I mean, who's it okay for? Right. So that's what we have to say. We don't want one more person, not just to die, but to find meaning in life. Mm-hmm. And guys, I think, in general, mm-hmm. like solutions. They yes. look for solutions. Mm-hmm. And in Thomas's case, it was like, Okay, I tried all my options. I can't see it, and I mm-hmm. can't talk about it. So this is more and more, like he said, 
from talking or thinking these thoughts mm -hmm. once a week, it came down to once, you know, a every day, day and mm -hmm. then it was every five minutes. This mm -hmm. is your only solution. You got to get away mm -hmm. because like, like you're stuck with these problems and it's so painful. You can't do it anymore. Yeah. And so the only solution that he saw was I need to get away. Yeah. Well, I relate to that. I really do. And um, so I'd like to walk through some of the uh, misnomers about people that suffer from depression. So a lot of people think that it's a very selfish act. And you and I have discussed this before, actually just before in the car. Yeah. Because <laughs> we don't get to talk every day because she like lives in Norway. Um, most people think that it's uh, selfish. So uh, Anna got in my car and I have Kate Spade glasses. And she was like, oh, Kate Spade. And mm -hmm. I said, oh, no, Kate Spade. <laughs> I purposely buy Kate Spade because she had died by suicide. So it's a reminder for me, and I do, of course, love Kate Spade and her fashion. But it's a reminder for me that, um, you know, she didn't die in vain because her death has been part of the reason that led me to write the book and to be more open about it, not just Kate Spade, but it was her and Anthony Bourdain that I mentioned, mm -hmm. that these celebrities that were coming out um, that had died by suicide and Robin Williams was making it almost okay to talk about. Because if these celebrities that have this lavish life would die, maybe there is something to this mental health. Right? I mean, it seems absurd, but I'm, and I've said this before, that I'm somewhat grateful for them that they um, gave us this opportunity then to show others that it's not whatever image somebody might have in their mind about somebody that the chooses yeah, to um, take their own life. So I started seeing the comments on social media about Kate Spade in particular and Anthony Bourdain, about how selfish it was. Here's somebody who has everything. How dare they? What more could they want? And depression is a very, very deep-seated illness mm -hmm. that is in our mind that doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. It eats your bones, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it does. It does. And you just don't think that there's any way out because you can't believe it's happened. Like, I'm Thomas being this very happy person, and I was too, and that, that was just kept being taken away from me every day. And I could not see any other way out. And I thought it would be um, less of a burden on my family's life if I wasn't there. That is so strange when you see how much they love you. And yeah. Do you get blinded like that, though? Yes. Is that part of it? Well, yes. Like you, your, your sight is narrowed and that's all you see that... Yes. Since you're in so much pain, I'm just asking yes. you because you told yes. me that you actually attempted this. Yeah, so I would, my parents have a, a like a photo gallery in their home. <laughs> it's just a mess of pictures of us because they love us, mm -hmm. right? And I would start taking pictures of me and hiding them because I was preparing wow. to die. And I thought it would be easier for them if they didn't see my picture. Which so did is you actually so silly. think that if you died that they would just forget you and that would yeah. be fine? Yeah, I mean, in the no, I didn't think they would forget me, but I wasn't really thinking about them that much. I was thinking that I was such a burden as somebody that needed help. I had been an addict and an alcoholic, and I caused them so much pain, and 
suffering and I was suffering myself that if I'm gone and if I am gone, I'm not even going to know how they feel. Mm -hmm. And it was the only way for me to not feel pain anymore. In my mind, there was no other solution at all. I tried every day or somebody would invite me somewhere and I would think I'm not going to be going to that's ridiculous. I'll be dead by then. So it's like the hope disappears in a way? It just does. Unless I'm you starting think, asking you questions, but I'm <laughs> on the search to find what is this? What's yeah. behind all this? Well, I, I'm so grateful today that I went to see Ben, who is my therapist. Mm -hmm. It was such a, um, like a shot in the dark because I had already gone to see a therapist and I was too afraid to tell anybody of this depression. When you feel... That hopeless? You think they're not going to love you anymore or what? Yeah, what? but you also don't think anybody understands. Okay. My parents used to tell me that um, I should go out and get... They didn't know any better. I mean, they, they were only trying to help me because they didn't understand depression themselves. So you should go outside. You should get some sun. You should exercise. When all I wanted to do was to disappear... And I couldn't. Mm -hmm. So um, depression is a very insidious disease. It tricks you. And unless you get the right help and support and love around you, I, under I understand. So here's something for me, okay? Um, and I'd like to hear you talk because this is your interview. But I, I realized that you as a mother who has lost their child would want to understand. Mm -hmm. So I just um, lost my train of thought because I looked in your eyes. <laughs> and I thought, ugh, how... Are you trying to explain to me I'm what trying. was behind? Yeah, I, I think that when you are that hopeless, you don't think anybody's going to be able to help you. So it's like, what's the sense? Because... From the outside, everybody already feels like you have so much. What? So you start on top of all of that, you feel guilt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, there's no reason nobody's beating me. I have food. I have a house. I have love. I have siblings. I have Christmas every year with gifts. There's no reason. So how can I explain something that I can't even explain myself? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until I met that therapist and he asked me the question, which I think is really important. He asked me if I was having thoughts of suicide. Thank you for sharing that. And I said, yes. And I think if he didn't ask me, mm -hmm. I would have continued on like I had with the others. But people say that if you ask somebody, you might trigger them to actually do it. That's one of the myths, you know, with suicide. Yeah. Don't ask anybody because they might, wow, that's an idea. Yeah. But it's so the opposite. It's so the opposite. If he didn't ask me, I might not have felt comfortable enough to share that in his space. So mm -hmm. then he knew what to do. He knew that I needed extra help. He knew I needed medication. And he, you know, he guided me through. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's, well, we could talk about the help later, but trying to help somebody understand what it's like. Oh, I remember what I was going to tell you. Throughout my life, if somebody told me that they, even to this day, if somebody, I find out somebody has died by suicide, I thank God for them because they're out of pain. 
there's no, um, you can't even describe how bad somebody must feel about themselves to do that. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with anybody else. Like, it's not your fault. You know that, right? But do you believe that? I do. Good. Yeah. Because it's not. And but that's, it's the first issue that comes oh, up. Oh, of like, course. What did do I do? everything in life. Yes. Just save them. I mean, since they're babies. Yes. That's your job. That's your job. So Make you feel like safe. you failed. Yes. Yeah. I understand that. That's why I wanted to make sure I wrote to the families. Because, it, I mean, anybody that meets my parents and you've seen them only online, you will meet them while you're here. I'll make that happen. Oh, that's awesome. Is that you, you, of course you would feel like you had some fault, even if everybody told you you had none. You couldn't not feel that way. Mm-mm. You feel a sense of responsibility. But even Thomas said that in his bio sure. several times. None of you yeah, could have known. Mm-hmm. It was like he wanted to take that away too. Yes. Yeah. I understand that. That's why I feel so, um, when I hear of, of somebody being gone, they really are. They're at peace now. Because that is, it's already torturous to feel depressed. And you feel like you want to die. And then to feel about how your mom will feel. Yeah. And your sister's is overwhelming so you just want the pain to go away it's overbearing and the more time that you spend on this earth feeling this way is only going to make things worse for you so it's i remember when my mother's my mother has a friend that has lost a child by suicide and i remember when they told me and they didn't know how bad my depression was and i just closed my eyes I said, thank you, God, that he's gone. Because everybody's trying to figure it out. And it has nothing to do with us. It's just an internal pain that you have nothing to do with. And I know how hard that is. I, I, I can never know exactly. Like, I never try to impose how I would know how somebody feels. Unless it's the, the only person that I identify with through this is Thomas. That's it. Well, that means a lot to me, though. Yeah, and I think that anybody that has suffered from depression, anxiety, any mental health issues, addiction, really um, identifies. So that's why I think um, it's not fair that people who suffer from depression like he did doesn't have a place like I have to go. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't just Ben... I needed you had a long time relationship with this uh, I mean, professional relationship as well, but I mean that was it. Well, you knew him, you knew who to call. You had you'd been I open him. to him before and yes. vulnerable. Yeah, so for over a year. Okay. But I had I had my twelve step recovery program. Okay. So that's that's the, the But you never like, opened up there about your you, suicidal You don't. You no, know? it's not for that. You know, but that said, what. I'm trying to understand, and I've had conversations about this before, is people that suffer from depression, anxiety, bipolar, whatever it is, they have like group therapy or um, they therapy or whatever else it is, medication, mm-hmm. but they don't have community like I had. Like I have for 25 years, and I'll go tonight too, and you could come if you want. Mm-hmm. We could bring your daughter. She probably hate it, but 
I mean, we should probably love it, actually. I don't know. But there's a place where you go where it's the people that feel the same way you do are going through the same thing you're going through or have surpassed or on the other side of it now. So somebody new comes in and we're like, oh, just keep coming. You're going to make it, you know? Mm -hmm. But we smile to ourselves because we know we've been there. So having that Mm -hmm. was 100% what saved my life. Because you yes, hear to other people that had like you have hope. to be around people that have been through it. And I, in is, my is that why people are so much more open to us now? We talked about that in the car too. Yes. Like I've been out there, and yes. you've been out there for a long time, and we're mm-hmm. just talking about this. And yes. this morning, I got a mail from this boy who worked with Thomas, mm-hmm. and it was just long when I just started crying because mm-hmm. all he said was like, "I broke down when I heard about it because I had no idea, but I want you as a mother to." to know how much he meant for me yes because he saw me and I was bullied when I was a kid and all that stuff and Thomas meant so much to me and you guys opening up and Mm -hmm. being the way you are it makes me want to open up good yeah and I said that's worth everything yes and then his friends are saying you know Anna we're talking about this now we're talking about the difficult topics now yeah and I go yay you know and that is, right? So we have to remember these moments mm-hmm. because that's, that's what it takes. It takes somebody having enough courage like you to speak out about it. And although painful and although, you know, crying in the middle of a podcast and a video or whatever doesn't it matter. is, it doesn't matter. You will save somebody's life. And this will make it okay for people. Because if I didn't have that community, I know I wouldn't have made it. It wouldn't, Ben was great, I loved him. The medication I took was great in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but the people that were around me were the ones that saved me because they knew how I felt. There's a big difference. Mm -hmm. I might not know how you feel, but I know how Thomas felt. And I know that's a comfort to you. Yeah, it is. And I understand that. And my parents understand now that they can help people because they had a daughter who blacked out and moved to Detroit for two years and came back. So do people want to talk to them now? Yes. My parents are the celebrities now of Tampa Bay. <laughs> no, I mean, yes, a lot of people, which I, I'm so happy about because now they have an opportunity to speak about something that 25 years ago was not so common to talk about. Suicide, mental health, alcoholism. You could have gone both ways with them because, yeah. you know, they could have been ashamed of you. Yeah. Why are you doing this to our family? We want to keep that. You know, mm-hmm. you're the successful mm-hmm. businesswoman from New York. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. Oh, my God. No, they, they're thrilled to talk about themselves. Good for I'm them. <laughs> Proud no, of them. You know, anytime there's a microphone in front of them, I mean, that apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That's for sure. But they are, um, it's, it's helping them, too. You know, a lot of that stuff they never talked about before. A lot of it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been very healing for our whole family. My younger brother didn't know, like I said. He thought I was away at computer school. The whole time I was in Detroit. He didn't know. You know, people don't know until you are a message of hope for them. That's what they're looking for, isn't it? Yes. Because when all the options go, then what do you have? So you can't just tell people, you know, don't, don't die. Right. When there's nothing to live for, when you have no solutions for yeah. your stuff. They want to know step by step like how to do it. 
how do I get better? How do I heal from this? How do I, um, how do I not feel so bad about myself anymore? Mm-hmm. Where can I go? What yeah. can I do? And I mean, I have messages for days of what people have said, and I know you're, it's going to continue the more you put it out there. And every time I feel like I shouldn't be talking about it so much or whatever goes on between our ears, those are lies that we shouldn't listen to because that message that you got today, you know is more valuable to you than anything. Any amount of followers or whatever else people think, oh, you got so many. It doesn't matter what they think. No, it doesn't. Well, you are for sure the reason that I continue for sure. Wow. And yeah. likewise. Well, I, mean, I keep was... telling you, you're inspiring me. I keep, you know, <laughs> watching you and Alyssa here. And oh. I just love that you are so transparent and that you're not afraid. Because well, that's part of it. You can't be afraid of what people are going to think. No. It's more important to save that one person or to give that little spark of hope to someone. Well, you lost your son. I did. So who gives a fuck what they think? There you go. Right? I said it. Mm-hmm. Right there on the podcast. I was on. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Mm-hmm. And for me, because I'm not dead, how dare I not help somebody else? Mm-hmm. That would be a tragedy. That's what it's, that's how it feels. When you, some people put their head in the sand or in, under the covers when this happens. And that would be so understandable if you did that. Yeah. It is a choice. Absolutely. It really is. There's, I, I picture it as a big black hole. Yeah. And it was so tempting to go there. Just mm-hmm. feel sorry for myself and just think, but I have 10 more people in my family. I have kids. I have in-laws. I have yeah. grandkids. Mm-hmm. And some wise person also told me, you've got to spend more time on the people alive than on the one dead because that can overshadow everything. Yes. So, of course, it, it's, it's painful. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we are allowed to laugh again, yeah. to dance again. I've done crying and dancing today. Yeah. And sometimes I feel... People expect me to just be serious. Mm-hmm. All my pictures should be black and white. And, right. But they're not. No. Because we were all about having fun, mm-hmm. making jokes, making videos. Yeah. And do we have to change now? I mean, like you said, he's, to me, his home. That's my mm-hmm. faith. Yeah. So he's, he's not suffering anymore. Yes. But we suffer, and we have to get through it. Mm-hmm. But you can't suffer just crying. It's, it's more wide than that. I need to laugh. I need to. He doesn't even want that like, for you. That would be the worst part. Oh my God, that's why I always, I think now in retrospect to all of what has gone on for me and in my recovery and hearing you today, I, and I say this a lot, my husband doesn't let, nobody really likes when I say it, but if I died today, I'd be okay. Like, well, of course I'd be dead, but I have lived lifetimes Mm -hmm. and I have survived longer than I should have. And you are only meant to celebrate. You're not meant to suffer because somebody chose to do this. It's not your fault. I know. And, um, and I see people when somebody dies just, you know, mourning. And that's, that's actually, in, in my opinion, that is not what they want for you. If they really love you, they want you to be happy. They do. 
And but I'm I mean, your sure body will respond to this with sure. the crying. Oh, of but course. then the thing that yeah. people say you have to mourn for a year, or this is going to be terrible and stuff. Just yeah. for weeks. I mean, I was judging you as soon as I saw you. I'm like, why is she even wearing makeup? Like, <laughs> but it's how so dare funny. you smile? Yeah, yeah, sure. It's crazy to even think that, or to put your own judgments on somebody else. Nobody will ever know what it's like to walk in your shoes. So who cares? And it's like Give you, them you your do shoes. have a you do have a choice. You have as a, choice. a person because I mean I loved that boy. I, I loved him and mm-hmm. his sisters adored him. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't have that. Mm-hmm. They can't say that afterwards. So I mean we're fortunate to yes. have loved and he loved people. He really did, and he meant a lot to other people. Yes. So his legacy is still here. I'm doing the podcast with his equipment right. in his chair with his table with his microphones. Yeah. And I'm just te- talking to him, saying, Thomas, your voice will live on. Your love will live on. And that's, that makes meaning to me. I bet he's really proud of you. I think he is kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Well, I'm very proud of him. And it, yeah. I also respect him. Sure. How weird that may sound. Not but I know that he have tried every option that was available to him right then. I wish he didn't make that decision. Mm-hmm. And I know that maybe he has prevented a lot of others from, from doing it because he was so visible. He wasn't a guy that they can say, oh, he had a, a mental illness, so mm-hmm. he just, he's out there. It doesn't apply mm-hmm. to me. But he was the fun guy who was with all of them. Mm-hmm. So now they're saying, because he did it, and then I have to start opening up. Mm. You're going to help a lot of moms. I hope so. And a lot of dads. And a lot of grandmas and a lot of grandpas. Because I think the people that have lost their children to suicide could help so many more people. And I think that you're right. I think that making that choice to continue to live versus dying a slow death, which would be what you would be doing. Mm -hmm. Just surviving. Yeah. And instead you're thriving, right? And you're going to make him proud, and in the meantime, help so many. So I want to ask you about his friend. So I don't even know his name, but of course I saw him on the show with you. Oh, Mick, yeah. Mick. And I looked at his Instagram this morning, and I thought, wow, I mean, it's so nice, and I'm so glad that he's speaking up too in support of Mm -hmm. you and of of his friend, that I'm quite sure it's very difficult for him. And being a man, talking about it. So tell me about him. How long were they friends? Oh, he was uh, from their birth, I guess. Wow. So he lived up on the hill, so he could see Thomas' uh, yeah. trampoline and his, you know, <laughs> so whenever he saw him out there, he mm-hmm. would just yell, I'm coming down, he would be on his bike. <laughs> so they went to school together since they were, you know, mm-hmm. small kids. Mm. So it's a long-time relationship. Mm. And that whole group of boys, Yeah. I mean, if you think that Thomas grew up with bowling or um, bad friends, mm-hmm. they still stick together now. Yeah, they're the so best great. of friends and they're really, really nice guys. Mm. So Mick was just one of them. They lived together once and then mm. they, they, they went into the big capital. Mm. For us it's big, but so they decided to live together once more. Mm-hmm. And they were both successful. Mm. So they started this Instagram account mm-hmm. where they did pranks and they called it Not Planned. <laughs> Oh, really? But it was like 150. I uh, saw your I saw Thomas with the Burger King hat. Oh my god, that was so funny! <laughs> <laughs> and they would put great. on electric shock on them, <laughs> so Thomas would go out and try to date somebody or try to check, yeah. so, check up, and they would, you know, all those things and try wow. to catch things through bushes and uh-huh. just and they would practice until they had it. Mm-hmm. So it was totally planned. 
but it will make, make us laugh so much. So these two guys, there's like endless stories. Mm-hmm. And that's what people told me. We have this, this uh, page on Facebook, mm-hmm. memory page. And people mm-hmm. said it's so difficult to cry because every time I get pictures or videos of Thomas, I'm laughing. Yeah, it's great. Because it was always a show with him yeah. and with Mick. Mm-hmm. So they were a lot alike. Mm-hmm. So Mick told me that, Anna, I just made a decision. I'm going to open up. Mm. And oh, every place I am, and it's so much, I mean, we're doing it now for real. Yeah. We are talking about the heavy stuff. We're talking about vulnerable stuff because mm-hmm. that's what we owe him. We that's need to talk true. about it. I'm so proud of him, and I'm so proud of you. I, I can't even begin to tell you. I mean, it's, it's, it's God yeah. that brought us together for this who, why, why this? Who knows? But it certainly uh, warms my heart to know that uh, if I could be a, a small help through this um, and that you will be helping so many people. I'm so proud of you. Well, you already have, Sharon. I think I have so to many stop. Ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're exhausted. It actually. is exhausting <laughs> talking about this. I've been talking about suicide all day. Um, it's, it's hard, but it has to be done. Yeah, the only like, way to break the stigma is for people to talk. Openness brings openness. That is it. Let's show everybody that it's okay. And not, let's not lose one more. Thank you. Thank you.